Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Um, Andrew Lamb, my wife and I do worship here uh, when we're in town, which, you know, on occasion we're not because of my work and other things, but it is a, a blessing to be here and have a chance to bring God's word to you. As uh, Willie was asking me to do this, um, he assigned me this chapter and I went, oh, thanks, Willie. This is a tough one. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about bad news, really bad news and problems that we have. Um, but it is interesting to me that as we think about and reflect on what God is doing, that um, we pray every week, thy kingdom would come and thy will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're talking about today, because we don't have to look around very much and go, it's not working real well always, thy kingdom coming and thy will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And we might get frustrated, and some of this sermon today is going to help you deal with some of that frustration, but I want you to know that it's nothing new. We had circles here in Isaiah, starting in chapter 40, there are these circles of bad news and curses against the different people in the world and God's people and problems and then repentance and good news and blessings and then again and back and forth over and over again. So uh, we're going to be looking at this negative chapter this week and then next week we have a really positive chapter. But I do want you to know as we go through this today, there is good news at the end. Um, As the sermon Uh, title says, bad news, really bad news, and then some really, really good news. Um, So hang in there with me as we go through this, as we think about these um, circles of blessings and cursing, righteousness versus wickedness. Now, in chapter 57, um, we talked about the Lord bringing repentance. And then last week, Pastor Willie talked about the cry or the trumpet call um, to say, stop your fake fasting, and to turn to God in his mercy, and that he will hear. Now, when I first thought about that, and I went, I think that there will be many of you that are like me at times. I go, God, I think you're hearing, but I'm not always really sure. I think when I'm praying, when I'm at church, when I'm reading the Bible, I always want to know that God is there and active and engaged in seeing my problems and my needs. And so that's something that I think we all might struggle with. And in this passage today, we're going to be looking at that because there's a problem. And the problem is this. If we read this scripture, I think you'll see it. So let's turn in our Bibles uh, to Isaiah And we've got it up on the screen, Isaiah 59, starting in verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so he does not hear. And then verse 9. 
Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. Isaiah 59, 9. And then continuing on in verse 14, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public square and righteousness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it and it displeased him and there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered where was there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. And he put on, a, on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the close lands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob, who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. As, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your, children, your offspring, out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage And we know that it's difficult. Uh, It's hard to hear bad news. But Father, as we see in the end of it, there is some very, very, very good news. So we come as your people today, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would cause us to seek after you, that you would cause us to listen to your word and be encouraged by it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so what is the problem here? The problem is not that God is not able to save. It says right here, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull that it cannot hear. Now, sometimes, like I said, I'm at times in my prayer or in my scripture reading, I'm going, God, you're there? You're paying attention? You got this? I've got a problem. You've got my back? This is going, God's not the problem. God's arm is not shortened. But what it does say is, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. I'm struggling how to illustrate this. And one of the movies I remember over the last few years was this movie called Andreas. And it's about an earthquake happening in California. And the, I think it's The Rock is the, the hero in that movie, and he's driving a helicopter. And one of the scenes is he comes down to this building, and the building is collapsing underneath his wife's feet. And he swings down with his helicopter. I don't think he grabs her hand, but a rope or something, and grabs her right off the building. I mean, she jumps in as, as it crumbles away from her. That's the picture we have here. 
is that God is able to snatch us up out of the most difficult situation and rescue us. Another scene in that movie, little girl, is uh, her daughter, I think, is in a garage, and the concrete comes down on her, and it's starting to fall even more and going to crush the car, and someone comes along and rescues her right out of it. That's what we want. We want God to come down and go, you've got a problem, snatch, I got you. And God says, it's, that's, that's possible. It's not his problem if that's not happening, but often our problem because of sin and iniquity that forms a separation between us and him. Isaiah 6, verse 3, and Revelation 4, verse 8, talk about the seraphim. Now, these are creatures that are in the throne room of God, okay? So God is there, and this creature is there, and it's got six, it's got three sets of wings. And with two of its wings, it covers its face. And what that is, is God is so holy that he has to cover his face to be in the very presence of God. I don't want to look. God is that holy. And the other, the other two, he covers his feet because his actions are not you know, our actions are not right. So he covers his face, covers his feet. And with the other two, he's flying around and he's crying out, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Imagine that. To think of God in that holiness. Psalm 145 verse 17 says this, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. I think, my wife and I were having a discussion a little bit this morning, do we understand the holiness of God? Uh, one of my favorite stories that I've, I've probably shared before with some of you is that my grandmother lived to be 102, and she was a godly woman. But I can remember coming and visiting her when she was 101, and she was laying in bed, and she was crying. Now, you got to understand, she couldn't get up. She couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't turn on the TV. She couldn't, she couldn't do anything hardly for herself. She's laying in bed crying. I said, Grandma, what's wrong? And she said, I'm just more and more aware of my own sin. And I'm going, you, I do things wrong. I don't know what you're doing wrong. You're, you're, you know, and that concept of being aware of our sin and the holiness of God and being aware of his perfection versus our need for forgiveness. We use a, a, a book here, a, a, what we call a confession. And this is our copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith. This isn't scripture. This just summarizes things that we find in scripture. So as we read it, it's not the authoritative word of God, but sometimes it helps us to kind of have something to think through. This talks about um, this concept of us being sinners that a sinner out of sight and sense not only of the danger, but also the filthiness and odorousness of his own sins, contrary to the holy nature and the righteous law of God. So I want to just stop there and say this is a, a place where it's talking about an awareness of our own sinfulness. Now, we do a confession of faith every week. We don't do that because we think we're perfect people. We're all sinners, in need of God's mercy and God's grace and God's kindness to us. So we come and we acknowledge his holiness, and I like that odorousness of our sin, that it stinks. 
our sins, you know, God's so holy. Um, there's another uh, piece of the confession. It's called the Shorter Catechism. And this is what it says about sin. What does every sin deserve? Every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and the life which is to come. What does God require of us that we might escape his wrath and curse? To escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life. So as we're talking about this today, we're looking forward to that answer, to say, our sin is very bad, and this is the problem that we're separated. But as we look at this passage in Isaiah, I titled it that it was, there was bad news. This is the bad news. When we look around us, and we can look starting at verse 7, we read verse 9, but let me just start at verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation, destruction are in their highways. A way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their path. They make their roads crooked. No one treads on them, knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness, for brightness, but we walk in gloom. This is the bad news. And if you're out there looking at the world today, I don't care your political persuasion. I don't care where you came from. I don't care your economic persuasion. You've got to be able to look at the world around us and go, things aren't right. Now, we might disagree. What's right? What's not right? Is it lack of good housing? Is it lack of, is it the war in Ukraine? Is it, you know, whatever. You can, we can come up with a list. But what this is saying is, it's bad. There, the, the world around us wants destruction, wants desolation, runs to evil. And justice is far from us. Now, that's the bad news. And we can delve into that more and look at that and say, do we really understand the, the spiritual depth of our sin? But I hope that at least gives you some picture of it. But I want to tell you, now we have really bad news. And here's the really bad news. And it's down in verse 14 and following. Or verse 15, I'll start there in Isaiah 59. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him and that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. Let's think about that for a minute. Now, sometimes in Scripture, we look at things and we go, did God really wonder? No, he, he knows. What this is doing is it's putting human nature characteristics onto God so that we can understand him. Because if, if God didn't do that, we, we would have a hard time connecting. But it's, it's this picture of God coming along going, okay, why is this problem happening? And he's not happy. Now, you know, we all know the saying, mama's not happy. Yeah, um, this is a little bit more than that. This is God's not happy. Uh, now, when we look at the world around us and we see 
people running to evil, when we see no justice, we need to be careful because God says he's not happy. But then it gets even worse. He puts on, verse 17, he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Now, breastplate is something used in war. So what this is saying is God stands up and goes, I'm not happy. I'm putting on the, the war plate, the, the breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection. He's putting that on. And then it says this, he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. That's serious stuff. When God puts on the garments of vengeance. Now, we love God as merciful and kind and sweet baby Jesus. We love that part. But we got to understand that he is the warrior king. And when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, put on your breastplate of righteousness, clothe yourself with vengeance, and come and deal with things. Now, if you're here today, and that's where you are, you're saying, I'm not sure I'm following Jesus. This ought to be scary, scary, scary. Uh, there's a famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That's this. God's wrapped himself in vengeance and saying, I'm coming to deal with things. We talk about <coughs> the justice warrior in our world. Well, this is the warrior of justice for the kingdom. And our justice is nothing in comparison to his justice. And if we stopped here, it would be all bad news. And we all go home and be depressed. But it doesn't stop here. Let's look at verse 19. Well, let me finish verse 18 just so you see the rest of what it says. According to their deeds, he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, and to the coastland he will re render repayment. Um, that shows how far God will go with this. But then in verse 18, so they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, and he will come as a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives, and a redeemer will come to Zion. My friends, that's the good news. A redeemer will come to Zion. Who is Zion? It's the people of God. We've been grafted into the people of God as people of faith. We're a part of that community. And we're going, there is going to be a redeemer. There is going to be <coughs> one that will save us from the wrath of God. Rest of that verse. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. So you got this picture. A redeemer is coming. Not to everybody, but to those who turn to the Lord, those who turn from transgression, those who repent, those who confess their sins and seek the mercy of God. And then it says this, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit is upon you, and my words I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, or out of the mouth of your offsprings, or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. We need to be a people of repentance and confession. What is repentance unto life? Once again, back to our con 
confession of faith. This is what it says repentance unto life looks like. Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, that's us, out of true sense of his sin and appreciation of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn unto God with full purpose of endeavor after new obedience. If you're here this morning and you say, I want that Redeemer. I want to be saved from wrath. Look at your life. Now, are we perfect? No. But we come to that Redeemer and we give a full confession of our sin and repentance unto life. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says this, that there is godly grief. If you have sin in your life, things that you're looking at today and you're going, I know that's not pleasing to God. There can be godly grief, but godly grief produces repentance and leads to salvation. And worldly grief, it says there in 2 Corinthians, leads to death. I don't want you to be depressed this morning. I don't want you to look at your own sin and say, woe is me. I want you to look at your own sin and say, woe is me, but there is a redeemer. I want you to look at your own sin and say, I need to repent. But Jesus loves me. This I know. So we come to this and we look and we say, God, how do we as your people do this? How do we work this out? How do we find this repentance unto life? What is faith in Jesus Christ according to our confession? It is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation offered to us in the gospel. We rest on him alone for salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't have a testimony of faith in him alone for your salvation, if you're trying to earn it, you're not cutting it. If you're trying to match up to a holy God, it's never going to happen. If you're trying to say, well, I'm better than my next-door neighbor, God's like, so what? He's holy, and he's looking at that going, that just stinks. And so we need to come and say, our faith is in Christ alone for our salvation. We repent from our sins. We turn to him. We seek his mercy. Now, as we think about this, I want to start with that group that says, okay, I need Jesus. And if you're there, talk to me, talk to one of the elders. We can help you walk through that. But the rest of us are in a place where we go, there's all these curses and judgments, and it's just hard in this life. And we're in the middle of this world that's full of injustice. So I wanted to unpack just real quickly how we think about that, okay? So we've got this concept of God is holy. We're not. The world is not seeking after justice. But for those that repent, there will be a redeemer. We still live in this world. So let's talk about this concept of being under judgment or curses. Sometimes when we're under judgment or curses, it's because of our own personal sin. It's called discipline. God says, this happened. This is the consequences of that sin. This is how it's going to work out in your life. And some of us have paid penalties in this world. Some of us have paid penalties emotionally. 
Some of us have paid penalties in different ways of the consequences of our sins, and that is true. You, you can look at James 1 and Hebrews 10 and other passages to say God disciplines his children. If he loves us, he disciplines us. Now, that discipline it should be for our own good, and it should be for our future glory. And so we look at it and we go, yes, I may be under some level of condemnation and curse because of my sin. Now, we can be saved from that by Jesus, but we still might deal with some of the aspects of it. But it's also, we could be under condemnations and curses because of our community. If you look at the scripture, there are stories of individuals who were under the curse of God and under condemnation and under discipline, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, it's a community thing. And we come together as a community, and I tell you what, we are going to, we are in the middle of a hard time. We've lost our senior pastor. We love Pastor Willie, but we've got some, you know, things are not all just smooth and easy and no problems. We need to come to that and say, what is God trying to teach us? And whatever we're going to do, are we going to come out of it for the good of his kingdom? Are we going to come out of it for his glory? Will people look at us and go, it should have fallen apart and should have been a mess. But God showed himself, and they loved one another, and they followed after my word, and they, they, <coughs> they cared for one another. And everybody should look at it and go, goodness gracious, how did that happen? And then God gets the glory for it. So there is discipline. There is discipline within a community. But we also have just the problems of being in a sinful world, whether you face a health issue or you face injustice in different ways. That's just part of being in a sinful world. So those are three easy ones to kind of understand how we have problems like this and injustice in our lives and the impact that it has. But there's more. There's also righteous example. And this is one we all pray we don't have to do. But it's like Job. Remember Job? He was a righteous man. And Satan came to the throne room of God and said, oh, Job just loves you because you do good things for him. Can I do bad things to him and see whether or not he still loves you? <coughs> and God said, yes. Why? Because he wanted to be glorified through Job. And so we come and we say we might be a righteous example. You might lose your job this week or next week. How are you going to respond to that? Curse God and die? Or are you going to say, no, I depend on God. He controls my life. He has my life in his hands, and I'm going to trust in him. You go through a serious health issue. You're going to go, God doesn't love me anymore? No, let's be a spiritual example to other people to say, God is in control, and we come to him, and we follow after him like Job did. There's also the aspect of a joy in suffering, the crown of glory found in suffering, that we say in Scripture, at times, people suffer in order to receive the crown of glory. That's in Scripture, and we can unpack that more at another time. But these are all the cursing sides. I want you to know the blessings work the same way. If God's blessing you today, you don't go, I must be a good person. God's blessing me. Because sometimes he does it because of personal things. But sometimes he blesses a community. I think he's blessed us as a country in different ways, not because we're a perfect country, but he has blessed us in many ways. Sometimes there's just blessings of being in the world. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. 
And so we can come to that and say, God is good. And we can see that in the world in which we live. So all of this <coughs> is coming to the point of saying, what is the result? And the result's there in the last verse of chapter 59. This is my covenant with them. My spirit is upon you, and my words have been put in your mouth, and shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring, out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Three things here. My covenant. What is his covenant? Well, you know the first covenant was with Adam. Don't eat of the tree. How did Adam do? He failed. You go on, there are other covenants. One of those covenants was with Abraham. And this is a really interesting one to me because a covenant is agreement between a king and his people underneath him is how it typically was in Old Testament times. And so we have the king of the universe making a covenant with us and we mess up. Now, normally kings went, okay, I'm going to wipe you off the map. But our king in Abraham's illustration, they would take animals and they would tear them apart which was basically saying, if I don't keep this covenant, this is what you, we do to each other. We tear each other apart. We go to war. And, and then you would walk between the pieces saying, this happens to me if I don't keep the covenant. Well, in the story with Abraham and the covenant that God was making with Abraham, God's the only one that went through the pieces because he knew we weren't a covenant-keeping people and that we fail and we struggle and we have our issues and we just can't cut that level of holiness. And what it was, it was looking forward to the one who can, who is Jesus, the holy man, the one sent by God. <clears throat> and so we come and we have faith in him as our sacrifice for sin to walk through for us and say, yes, the covenant has been kept. New covenant, that's what that's about, that Jesus is our answer. So it says, my covenant is with them, and then my spirit. We love to be in the spirit in church, and we sing, and we, we just enjoy the music speaks to us. Well, okay, that's part of the work of the spirit. But the spirit also convicts us of sin. The spirit also charges us to care for other people and to show love and do mercy and walk humbly before our God. There's those things. And then the next one is my words. My words shall be in their mouth. Now, I'm guilty of this. Where my, my words aren't always the words that God, the most blessed thing and the most kind thing. And I, you know, we all might struggle with that. But to say, I want to know God's word more. That's why we come in the biggest piece of a service is not the singing. The biggest piece is not the offering. The biggest piece is not, it's the word. Because we come and we say, we want to hear from the Word of God. We want to know what He's saying to us, and we want to pay attention to that, and we want to apply it to our lives because we want it to be said about us that His Word is in our mouths and will not depart from our mouths. And this is the good part. It will not depart from your offspring or the mouth of your children's offspring. Now, I don't know of any of you here today that are struggling with kids that are not following after the Lord. And this isn't saying that every kid is going to turn around. But what this is saying is as a community, our children and our children's children, as we stick to this, his covenant, his spirit, and his word, our children will have that word from this time forevermore. And that's why we're planting a church here, 
because we want to see in this community the word of God go forth. Why? Because there's injustice here. There's problems here. <coughs> there's destruction here. And we come and we say, we want to see the Savior reign. We want to see the Savior rule. We want to see his covenant over us. We want to see his spirit over us. We want to see his word applied to our lives. We want to see all of that not only for us, not only for our children, but for our children from this time forevermore. Repentance unto life. I read the first part of this, that it's a saving grace by where a sinner, out of true sense of his sin, an appreciation of the mercy of Christ, doth in grief and hatred of his sin, turn unto God for the full purpose of in the endeavor after new obedience. What is the outward means in which Christ communicates us the benefits of this redemption? The outward and ordinary means, the ordinary ways in which this happens, Christ communicates us his redemption is through the ordinances, the preaching of the word, the sacraments, prayer, are all made effectual to the elect for salvation. We're about to come to the Lord's Supper. And normally we fence it right before we do it, but I'm going to fence it right now because what this is, is this is an outward sign of our dependence on Christ alone for our salvation. And we get to taste it. We get to touch it. We get to ingest it into our bodies and say, Christ's body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me. And if you're here today, this is not in town's table. This is Christ's table. But if you're here today and you're not a believer, be careful. Because that king who puts on his breastplate of righteousness and wraps himself in robes of vengeance and puts on the helmet of salvation says, don't eat this if you're not prepared. Now, if you have something against another brother and sister, we also know from Corinthians, you need to deal with that before you come to his table. If you're not showing mercy to others in your heart and in your life, you need to deal with that before you come to his table. Now, that doesn't mean you can't ever come. It just means you need to start getting things straight. Will you ever have it perfect? No, I can guarantee you every person that partakes in this is not perfect. But we're saying my life is following after Jesus. My life is following after his covenant, his spirit, his word, and that should be in us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy to us. Go before us that we might see King Jesus, that we might know his glory, that we might be encouraged by his work in our hearts. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org.